The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, the fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galena. And I'm joined, as always, by my buddy, Scott Chu. Scott, I, I know you're a lawyer by trade. You're a lawyer at a bank, but uh, you were rocking this uh, schoolhouse rock. I'm just a Bill t-shirt. I'm just a Bill. Yes, I'm only a Bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. So I figure maybe you're an attorney. You know about law. You know, it's, I was really great. impressed with that. That, thank that tweet. you. Thank you. I, I called it the Energy Blues after a uh, Schoolhouse Rock song. I, I love that shirt. It's like the second time I've had it because the first one I got like stains all over, so I had to get it again. Tons of fun. Actually, my favorite. But what's funny is my favorite. Uh, my favorite bit about Schoolhouse Rock is actually from The Simpsons, uh, <laughs> which is called "I'm an Amendment to Be," and it's hilarious. <laughs> but a fun fact about the "I'm Just a Bill," like the most iconic thing from Schoolhouse Rock, is that. The bill they discuss is about school buses stopping at railroad tracks. And as it turns out, that bill never became a law. It didn't mm. end up getting put in the books until the Department of Transportation was made and they turned it into a regulation. So they do this whole thing about how a bill becomes law and it never actually happened. That bill never became law. Wow. And, and, you know, the regulation, which is functionally the same. Yeah, see, I knew you knew a lot about bills, being an attorney and whatnot, but um, I'm just a bill. Love it. Um, and the uh, Schoolhouse Rock, man, that, that's old. How did you get exposed to that? You're, you're a young guy. Yeah, I mean, I actually found out my son, who's 10, mm-hmm. also knows about Schoolhouse Rock because they still play it in classrooms. Awesome. Okay, yeah, it's a good way to know how they do it. Good way to teach and keep uh, students engaged. So that's pretty cool. But uh, hey, uh, let's stop talking about bills and talk about baseball. Um, middle of August. Actually, we're recording this August 16th, uh, about 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The 45th anniversary uh, there, Scott, of Elvis Presley's death. You've heard of Elvis, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. I've oh, heard of him. Okay. Okay. Musician, if I recall. Yes. The king of rock and roll. Yes, uh, but, but um, going back to baseball, uh, biggest story uh, since we last podcasted together and a guy that we've talked about a lot in past podcasts, of course, Fernando Tatis testing positive for the steroid Clostaball and uh, the steroid Clostaball 
is actually it's not designed to to bulk you up. It's designed to build moderate amounts of lean muscle while burning fat and improving athletic performance. I I, I could probably use that because I, I need some some lean muscle instead of all this fat that I've got uh, surrounding my organs. But uh, D. Strange Gordon and Freddie Galvis were also caught using this in the past. So, you know, you remember when uh, D. Strange Gordon, I think we knew him as, uh, what did we know him at that time? Just D. Gordon? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he got uh, pinched for using steroids. And we're like, this guy doesn't look like he's using steroids. But that's because Clostebol is designed to build moderate leans, uh, moderate lean muscle. But uh, this run really, really uh, shook the baseball world and was really a shock. Yeah, it's huge. He was, you know, he was close to coming back. It's obviously it's a huge punch in the gut to the San Diego Padres organization, to all their fans, to to his teammates. I mean, that's a big one too. So obviously, still some some maturation that needs to go on for Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, I mean, for fantasy purposes, I mean, it, it makes it easy for this season, right? Like he's out. He's not playing. There's no appeal that's going to put him in games this season. He's also not eligible for the postseason, if I'm not mistaken. So he'll miss about a month and a half of next year, too. And right. he may also, I have to recall, but he may not be eligible for the playoffs next year because he had to serve a suspension. I have to double check on that, but that, that could be could be an issue. But he will play for most of the year next year. And what's going to be tough is that we're not going to get to see him play much, right? But – Man, he's going to be a hard guy to draft next season. It's yeah, a risk. And most leagues don't let you put suspended guys on the IL. So unless your league has an NA spot, he has to burn a bench spot. That's going mm-hmm. to be the real kicker because this season he could sit on your IL and not take up a roster spot. Next year, in many leagues, most of them probably, he will have to take a roster spot, and that's just brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to miss, uh, like you said, the rest. It's an 80-game suspension, so he misses the rest of this season and the first 32 games of the 2022 season. And you factor in, you know, days off and whatnot. So you, you're looking at probably, like you said, maybe five, maybe six weeks of, of the start of the season. So uh, in that way too early mock that we did a few weeks ago, he was taken eighth overall. So now you wonder how that's going to affect his uh, draft value for next season. And what, what do you do with him, if anything, if you have him in a dynasty league, basically you just sit on your hands and knees and wait, right? I mean, the guy's got no trade value. Well, he does have trade value because once he comes back, he has shown that when he's in the lineup, he's a phenomenal hitter. But yeah, uh, I mean, if you just talk about skills with the bat, first, I do want to correct something. He will be eligible for the 2023 playoffs. Okay. Um, that doesn't carry over. Um, I, I think it's only, now that I, I looked it up, it's only the year that you get suspended, not the years that you serve the suspension. But um, a big thing for him in Dynasty first is you have to remember that when he plays with the bat, with nothing but the bat, he is one of the most explosive hitters in baseball. Yeah. Tatis, 48 homer, 116 RBI, 162 game average. So, and a 31 stolen base, 162 game average as well. So, sorry to cut you off, but just, just letting you guys know, just obviously, you know, what kind of a, a player we're talking about in Tatis. Yeah. And the problem is you can't trade him. Uh, not for anything probably worth it, right? Because if you trade him right now, you're trading him at his maximum risk, 
right? We are the furthest from seeing Fernando Tatis play in theory than we ever will be. And when you go to trade, managers know that they don't want to bear that burden, right? Especially because you can't stick them in your minor league roster. And unless your league has an NA spot, you can't stick them on your IL. So you're stuck in this awkward place. No one's really going to want to take him. You just have to sit and wait. And if you're, you know, if you were in a, if you're in a dynasty league, you can't really do anything about this. Yes. There are people that will trade him and I'm not saying you can't do it. If, if you've got a moral obligation or you just think there's going to be more problems, go ahead. Just know that this is selling low, right? This is the lowest you can like the lowest value he'll have ever mm. again. Right. Yeah. Especially because we haven't, we're not here. Like we have no other updates unless he gets hurt during this time. There's just no way. And- <laughs> Which I'm going to tell you, you know, is a very, it's, it's possible. Cause you know, I'm watching, you know, the video interview that he did, at the start of the season, when it was revealed that he had that uh, wrist injury, the the I think it was a fracture that he needed surgery on. Definitely needed surgery, but um, you know, in just listening to him describe it, Scott, you know, at one point he's he's talking about the accident, and then one of the reporters asks him, "Well, when did when did the accident happen?" He goes, "Which one?" So, there were, you know, the guy is a bit reckless, right? And then you, you take a look what A.J. Preller, and I'll give you a quote from him. He says, it's, obviously, it's very disappointing. You have to learn from the situations. We were hoping that from the offseason to now that there would be some maturity. And obviously, with the news today, it's more of a pattern. And it's something that we've got to dig a bit more into. So, you know, in, in a dynasty league where you're going to have to deal with this guy for as long as you own your dynasty team, um, I mean, do you want to hold on to someone on your roster like that? I mean, I, I, I don't want to say you have to. I'm just saying you. There's no point in trading him now, right? I mean, a lot of leagues are already bumping against their trade deadlines, but even in the off season, again. If you're all about maximizing value, this is not the time and neither will this off season, right? If you want to maximize value, get him. He's got to get close to being back on the field, right? He's got to be close to being able to play because then you might actually get something for him. But like right now who you've maybe got two or three managers in your league that are probably willing to take him on right now at anything, you know, and they're not going to offer you anything close to what he ought to be valued at because, they don't need to. It's not It's not necessary right. because they know that they're trying to buy low. They're trying to buy right. low, but you would be selling low. So I guess I just advise against it. Even if you think that he's a big moron, which you're very entitled to do, there, there's a lot of evidence that supports such a finding, but you don't want to do this now if only because you're, you're selling at the bottom. Yeah. But think about like, even if he does miss, you know, six weeks of the season, which is what we think based on, you know, the 32 games, days off, you know, that first month of the season, there's tons of rainouts and sometimes even snowouts and whatnot. So let's say if he misses the first six weeks of the season, I mean, it's very capable. He's very capable, Tatis is, of hitting 35 home runs, stealing 25 bases and driving in 90 runs. So, uh, you know, I mean. Let's not forget that the last time we saw him, 2021, he played 130 games, so he missed exactly 32 games. Mm-hmm. What did he do? 
right? 42 yep. home runs, 99 runs scored, 97 RBI, 25 stolen bases, and he mm-hmm. hit 282. Right. Like that's that's what he did in a season where he missed exactly 32 games. Now he's right. going to probably miss more than 32 games because he's also not the most durable chap out there. Now hopefully yeah. this time off ends up helping his shoulder, his wrist, right. everything else get healthy. But like that's the thing about Tatis is when he's like when he plays, it's this Ronald Acuna problem, right? Which hasn't worked out super well this year, but it's that they can do in three quarters of a season what everyone else needs a whole season to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely right. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll have to see. And, and basically, we're robbed of, of seeing this uh, incredible Padres lineup that we wanted to see with Soto and uh, Tatis Jr. Uh, in the same lineup. You know, so I mean, baseball is the one who's suffering with this. Yeah, but I mean, what a great time it was for them to trade for Juan Soto. Forget about what they gave up for a second. You think they knew? I don't know what they knew, and I think they were just dreaming about the next two seasons of having these two guys. But this team can still compete and is still dangerous without Fernando Tatis Jr. And Mm -hmm. it's because they got Juan Soto, Josh Bell, and Brandon Drury to to make that lineup deeper. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, I mean, I guess if you're in a deeper league, there is a little bit of intrigue in Haseon Kim. He's been not too bad this season. He's mm-hmm. probably going to play, you know, he's probably going to be the shortstop or, you know, somewhere between second base and shortstop every single day. There's a little bit of power, a little bit of speed here. I wish the batting average was doing better. It's not, but he has had some hits lately. Like again, deep leagues, especially deep points leagues. There's some intrigue there when, you know, you might've otherwise avoided him because Tatis was going to come back soon. Yeah. And, and you wonder now with Tatis, you know, obviously, uh, going to be missing, we'll say, the first six weeks of the season and not doing any baseball activities now. Um, you wonder, and it's not going to happen because I think he's been uh, adamant about not having surgery on this troublesome shoulder that he's had. You know, because you don't want him to come back and then all of a sudden his shoulder gets dislocated again and he's and he's missing a few weeks of the season, you know. Uh, and you, you kind of alluded to the fact that he's not really that durable, hasn't been that durable, unfortunately. Yeah, but I mean, I'm pretty sure he's not riding motorcycles anymore. So we'll. Oh yeah, okay, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you probably could see him riding a motorcycle right now. Oh, this Guaranteed. is a three wheeler. No motorcycle, <laughs> not a motorcycle. Uh, I just love, like I said uh, before, you know, watching that interview earlier today. You know, and it happened at the beginning of the season where the reporter asks him. Well, when did this accident happen? He goes, which one? <laughs> I mean, you know, because there was another. Then he, he mentions earlier, yeah, I, I had another one where I fell off, but that was really nothing, you know. So just scrapes, just scrapes. <laughs> All right, oh, so okay. <laughs> so enough of Tatis Junior till next year, uh, but uh, get some uh, also unexpected news on Monday afternoon about Walker Bueller, the uh, Dodgers. We'll call him his. Dodgers ace is done for the season, season ending elbow surgery. And Dodgers really didn't dive into what type of elbow surgery, whether or not it ends up being Tommy John surgery. Who knows? Maybe once they open them up, uh, it might be something along those lines. I don't want to you know, speculate too much, but if it is, then, you know, he'll probably not be back until what the beginning of the 2024 season. God forbid that it's Tommy John surgery. 
Yeah. I mean, it's really weird that it is just elbow surgery. Um, that could be like, that could be as benign as bone spurs. Right. And it could be as horrible as obviously like the, the Tommy John. So, um, more on that, I guess he's even harder to deal with in a, in a dynasty league, I think just because he's not quite as young as Tatis and, it's just really confusing. It's like, we know what's going on with Tatis. We have no idea what's going on with Bueller, but right. I mean, I do think there is one thing that's sort of helpful for the Dodgers and the reason why they're probably willing to do something like this. And it's fellow ginger, Dustin may who's there you been go. absolutely unstoppable in the minors, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got six starts down there. Now the first, you know, the first couple were pretty abbreviated, but 21, 21 innings pitched 36 strikeouts. Six yeah. walks. Like Sunday, been, yeah, Sunday, 10 strikeouts in five innings. Yeah, he's been on fire in his rehab starts. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's throwing gas. Like this team was very deliberate in how they brought him along because when, when Kershaw went down like a week and a half ago, there was chatter that they might rush Dustin May, but they said he needs two more starts. And what they give him? Two more starts, mm-hmm. right? So he's going to be warmed up to five to six innings, which he's going to be activated on Saturday. Uh, against the Marlins, and I, I do think it's a great situation for him. I mean, you put him in against a team that loves to strike out, right? So even if they do get a piece of it, they're probably just going to kill a couple worms with it, right? Like mm-hmm. that thing's going straight down. This is a really nice matchup. He does give up home runs from time to time because he throws so hard. You actually see there's a lot of guys that throw in the upper 90s, like their home run to like their their fly ball, like their home run to fly ball rates get kind of weird because like it comes in so hot that when a batter gets a hold of one, it goes a real long way. <clears throat> but that that's a big, big deal. This is a team playing for the playoffs, right? Like they are playing for September. The Dodgers have a massive lead on their own division. They're really not in any danger. They're playing so, for like, the World Series. They're, I mean, they're in the playoffs. They're the best team in baseball. They think they have 80 wins uh, last I looked. <laughs> First yeah, team to so, 80 wins. So, I mean, really, they're just making, they want to make sure that Clayton Kershaw gets healthy. They want to make sure right. Dustin May is going to be around, right? Mm-hmm. And then the rejuvenated Julio Urias, who's been much better as we have progressed through the season. The velocity's moved up. If you've been listening to the first pitch or following Nick's work, you've seen that he started with this weird velocity problem. It's gotten a lot better. So that, you know, that three-way with Urias and Kershaw and May, like that's a monstrous three-person rotation. And then, I mean, that's, and Tony Gonsolin, Andrew Heaney and Tyler <laughs> Anderson have been no slouches, right? Like right. the worst, the worst guy they've been starting is Ryan Pepio, and he's not that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's got he's got like a four a three nine two ERA. He's striking out over a batter an inning over five starts. Like he's pretty good. This Dodgers team is it just continues to be unnecessarily loaded. And yeah. just to just to throw it in there, one of the biggest disappointments on their team, Max Muncie has August's highest OPS coming into today. Right, right. He's got a 1352 OPS here in the month of August. Like the best. He's been probably the worst fantasy relevant player for the last like three months. And out of nowhere, he's just absolutely raking. And of course he is because it's the Dodgers. And like, I don't know what it is they do, but it's almost like, it's almost like a cheat code. They're like, oh, (laughs) my bad, forgot to put the code in. It's Everybody's the middle of August now. that this guy already has uh, 10 extra base hits, I believe. So yeah. he's really just on fire. Yeah, and the power had been like sort of a concern. I mean, he wasn't doing anything right earlier season. He's still probably going to break the 20 home run barrier 
because he's been, you know, he's super hot and he's the type of player that can go on just wild hot streaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing with the Dodgers that they just keep on winning. Uh, they just have a revolving door of players that, you know, one player goes down. That's fine. We got another one for you. Just look at the, you rattled off all those pitchers, you know, and, and basically in the playoffs, you really like, like to have, you know, three solid starters, but they have, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Urias, Gonsolin, uh, you know, uh, Anderson, uh, Heaney and May and Kershaw coming back. It's just an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> so uh, they've got righties and lefties. They'll, <laughs> they're tough for the playoffs. If only because, they can take advantage of whatever side your your you know whatever side the other team wants to hit from. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't matter. Like, oh, you want to send out a bunch of righties? All right. Well, we'll either pick Dustin May or Tony Gonsolin. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, you want to throw a bunch of lefties in? Oh, I got to you know I'll just throw Julio Urias or Clayton Kershaw. It's fine. Yeah, and what? not that anybody was uh, starting. Uh, Cody Bellinger, I'm, I'm sure, except in the deepest of leagues, but uh, uh, Dodgers announced that he's going to take a few days off, almost like a mental reset. It's it's just so sad what, what's happened to him. Uh, you know, just you remember how he started off his career, and he just really hasn't gotten off the ground for the past few seasons. Yeah, it turns out consistency in the major leagues is really hard. What's funny is he had been hitting for power of late, right? He He had three home runs already this month hitting at the bottom of that lineup and he wasn't striking out all the time. He had, you know, the, the strikeout to walk ratio is what had fallen apart, right? He just like stopped taking walks. He had only taken one walk on the month and he'd struck out 10 times uh, or not quite 10, but you know, he's striking out a lot. Actually, no, it is. I think it's about 10 times. Uh, he struck out 10 times, um, but he did have a bunch of extra base hits, right? He had seven mm-hmm. of them. three home runs, three doubles and a triple. Uh, but like the Dodgers don't, don't need him right now. Right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't need this 27 year old with, with really, really high potential because they kind of just have enough other pieces to deal with it. So, I mean, he's a guy that for fantasy, you know, when the year is over, the only problem you're going to see is his batting average, right? Because like if he were to keep playing, I mean, he's not, he's going to take a couple of days off, but like if they keep letting him play at the bottom of the lineup, he could still finish the season with like 20 to 23 home runs. If you know, 15-ish stolen bases and, you know, some okay runs in RBI. And you'll think, oh, well, if that's the floor, and like that's what's going to, I think, just be very annoying almost from a fantasy perspective. But I do want to point out that I don't want anyone to get too fooled by that because if you put together the way he's been after 2019, that's kind of the player he's he's been. Mm-hmm. Right? A guy with with some power, but a huge batting average liability, and the strikeout rate has gotten a little untenable. So, right. And even if you play in an OBP league, I think, what, what does he have, a 260, uh, yeah. 261 OBP? So. Two, 240 last season because he's mm-hmm. walking considerably less. Mm-hmm. It's like it's down. I mean, his walk rate's been cut in half right. from his elite years, and that's yeah. a problem. Plate discipline is one of the easiest but most telling things to really watch for in a player. Yeah. Players' plate discipline is falling apart. It's unlikely that things are going really well. Right. When I say falling apart, I, I don't just mean like becoming average. Like it is disintegrating. Like everything's moving in the wrong direction, and it's moving a lot. Yeah, yeah. Bellinger, thirty-nine home runs as a rookie. Then two seasons later, forty-seven home runs, hundred fifteen RBI. So uh, it's just uh, amazing the the drop off there. But 
you know, wish him wish him the best. And uh, maybe we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back. Uh, talk about uh, some young players that have been making some noise. You know, it's the uh, dog days of August and, you know, players are coming up with these injuries. It's, it's a long season. It's a grueling season. But we'll talk about some young players that should be on your radar right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Joe Galena and Scott Chu. And uh, teased right before we took a quick break, uh, there's some uh, young players that have uh, been making some noise in the bigs uh, lately there, Scott. Uh, and, and you know, one of the best stories just overall in baseball this season, and baseball is such a fun sport because you can go from worst to first and whatnot, but the Baltimore Orioles – uh, to have a legitimate shot to 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 make the playoffs, you know, and they uh, today's Tuesday, right? They have sixty wins coming into Tuesday's action, and they hadn't gotten sixty wins as a team in the last three full seasons. So, not counting twenty twenty, but in the last three hundred sixty two game seasons, they hadn't won at least sixty games. They get themselves a couple of pitchers; they might be able to compete. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's really their, their big weak point. It's, I, th- I, it is kind of interesting how the dimension changes have played into it. Right. Like now that Camden Yard's not such a bandbox, I, I wonder if that's helping there because they just don't have very strong pitching. Mm-hmm. But, you know, another thing that's, that's going well for the Orioles is Jorge Mateo. Right. I mean, yeah. He's the yeah. Post, post, post hype prospect. Uh, he used to be with the Oakland A's. Uh, he was even like a top 25-ish prospect for some folks at one time because of that power-speed combo. But the guy he was with the Yankees, right, at one point? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, they yeah. traded he, – he got traded around a bit. Like he was a heck of a prospect, and it just didn't work out. But here in – you know, things have really turned around, especially lately. Jorge Mateo in the month of August has an 8% walk rate and 14% strikeout rate. I never thought I'd see Jorge Mateo have that kind of play discipline. This high contact version of him, which has three home runs and three steals already this month, it's it's really special. I know I featured him in the in the graphic for the pitcher or for the hitter list last week. The guy just keeps hitting, keeps moving up in the lineup. Like right now, he's gotten up to he was, you know, he was batting ninth pretty much every day. He's moved up to seventh, and they've got to keep moving him because he's on a you know he's on a hitting you know he's got a ton of hits lately. He's on a five game hitting streak. He went five for five uh, <laughs> at the end of last week. He's I mean, he's doing a lot of things right. He's mixing in the power. It's not like he's doing, I mean, he's been caught stealing a lot lately, <laughs> which isn't great. But mm. um, even even though he's been caught stealing three times this month, um, he's still 
27 successful steals and only seven caught stealing. So he's doing just fine with it overall. So he's going to keep running and the team needs him to run if they want to keep, you know, if they want to keep winning games, right? Like they need to manufacture some offense and Jorge Mateo can do that. I'm really, I mean, he's only 27 years old, despite the fact he's felt like he's been around forever um, because he just, he just has really, but Mm -hmm. all as a prospect, right? Like that was the thing he was in the minors. He's been, yeah, he's been in the minors since 2012. (laughs) We've, we've known about him since he was 17. Right. And again, he was a huge prospect, but the strikeout rates were always a problem. He's got it fixed. Like that, that 28% strikeout rate you're seeing right now as his overall line. Don't think about that. You want to think about lately, right? You want to look at the trends. My fit, you know, I talk about it all the time. One of my favorite rolling charts is the strikeout rolling chart. And the one for Jorge Mateo looks really, really good, right? This is a guy who was perennially striking out, you know, between 25 and 30% of the time or worse. You know, there were a lot of moments he'd be up in the forties. And then now like to see him hovering at 14% lately. I mean, that's just, it's beautiful to see some, something in Baltimore has been activated for him. They, they saw something, they taught him how to make an adjustment. I don't know what it is, but and I could maybe eventually dig deeper to figure it out. But this guy looks like he's going to be a 15 home run, like 35 stolen base player. Mm-hmm. Like, not that. I mean, he's the only difference between like him and Cedric Mullins is batting average, right? And the batting average has been better. So, I mean, especially as he fixes the strikeouts and as he walks more, I mean, it's just, you're seeing everything you want to see a hitter do when it comes to making adjustments. And when you see that you can get excited and Jorge Mateo has probably been scooped up everywhere, but if you've got him, you should be feeling really good, both in regular and dynasty. This is a guy who I think has made some real changes and I'm excited to see how long he can stick with them. He's going to moments where the strikeout rates get a little worse things like that because the season like in players just ebb and flow but if he's setting like a new new benchmark that instead of expecting a 25 to 30 percent strikeout rate we can expect a year-end mark that's between like 20 and 25 instead of that 25 to 30 that's a totally different player because that player can hit for a good average right whereas the other version will never have a 300 obp but this version we're seeing now totally could even with the ups and downs yeah. Uh, another big part of his game that I want to see improve, and it has really since um, and I, while you were talking, I was running a, a rolling chart in honor of you uh, looking at his, his OBP and game 62, his OBP was at 235 and it's slowly been creeping up, slowly but steadily been creeping up and it's only 282 now. But it has improved. Like I said, it was at a, a low of 235 in uh, game 62. And I'm also looking at his, his walks, man. His, his walk curve is ugly. <laughs> if you look I mean, from he's, the, he's never, he's never going to be a high walk player. But you need him to be on base, like to continue to, if you're looking for stolen bases, no? I mean, and don't get me wrong, what he's doing now is phenomenal. But I'd feel more comfortable if the guy could at least have a, a 300 or a you know, 320 OBP uh, from expecting him to steal bases for me. And I do think that's possible as he slowly brings like that. What you want to see is you want to see the basement go up, right? You Mm want to see what's the worst, right? Like what are his, what do his worst times look like? If you look at those rolling averages for like his strikeout rate and his walk rate, he had 15 game rolling walk rates of zero Mm -hmm. for like, a long time. He would do that for a considerable amount of time. And by the way, we're talking Jorge Mateo because I know we're talking about the same player for a while. Yeah, and yeah, some sorry. people yeah. come in and out of it. No, no, I just I yeah. mean, you you can see periods where he's at two one to two percent walk, like fifteen game 
sample size walk rates, <laughs> right. uh, which, is, which is close to 50 at-bats. Right? Mm-hmm. So 15 games for him, it's going to be about 50 at-bats because he almost never freaking walks. But well, again, what you're trying to see is you want to see like that stuff compressed, right? You want to see like that walk rate, that floor looks like it's raised, right? Just a little. Just mm-hmm. a little. Like what if he just becomes an average walker, right? Just an average walker and then gets the strikeout rate to average, right? Because the problem is you'd see these spikes. He had, in 2021, he had a 15 game rolling strikeout rate of 57.1% for a while. Like that's, you, you can't survive that way. Right. This season, it's gotten as bad as 47.9%. That was back in June. But since then, his worst moments are in the 30 or in the low 30s. You can deal with that if that's the worst it looks like. And it came with a higher walk rate, right? Mm-hmm. Like at that time, the same time his walk rate was up. So with Jorge Mateo, again, what you're looking for is for him to just make it so that the worst times are better because they used to be absolute basement trash. <laughs> like yeah. he was unrosterable in his low points. But if he can just become kind of disappointing in his low points and these high points continue to show a ton of power and speed and contact, that's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And just like, uh, you know, I don't know, I was thinking with the Orioles a little bit too much, but why not? They're a hot team. They're a fun team. They're a fun story. Uh, Adley Rutschman, right? You were talking about him, how his uh, approach has really improved uh, since he got called up. And, you know, as he's been going, uh, so have the Orioles have been improving as well. Big part of their resurgence. I mean, improvement is putting it lightly. The guy is absolutely transformed his plate discipline, he is figuring out what major league pitches look like. And that's, I mean, he's walking way more than he strikes out. He's like, the power isn't quite there yet. If you ever want to do like a quick thing, you know, we we talk about like ISO, which is slugging minus batting average. If you want to get an idea of a guy's actual power, don't just look at their slugging, look at it in context with their OBP. So like Rutschman has a really nice slugging. It's like probably, probably close to 600, but it's because his OBP is like also like 500 over the last like 15 days. He's with, with Rushman. What, again, what you're trying to see is how do I know that he's growing, right? How do I know that he's getting better? And if you just watch his trajectory this season, you see this guy who not striking out a lot, but not making good contact, not walking a ton. All of a sudden he's become, you know, Joey Gallo reincarnate, like peak Joey Gallo, where he knows the strike zone the entire time. He's like, nope, that's a ball. Like he he just spits on it constantly because mm-hmm. he gets it now. Now I think there's going to be another little adjustment where he gets a little more aggressive at the plate, but that's not a bad thing, right? That's where you can get some of the power back, right? Because he can probably do some damage on some of these edge pitches that he's letting go. But he's, I mean, he's really, really special with the hit tool. And I, I really love guys with a hit tool. And I really love guys who can show me that they're learning in the season because that's something that's really hard to pick up. I hate when I have to hope that they learn something. Rutschman has learned. Rutschman has learned something. You can't look at his plate discipline over the course of the season and think, Oh, well, it's just luck. You can't lock that into existence, right? Like mm-hmm. a 20% walk rate and a 10% strikeout rate. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like, that's Juan Soto level stuff. Right. right. He's also shown a totally new level of plate discipline as a Padre, but like with Rutschman, that's what you were looking for. That's what you've got. You're seeing, and I mentioned this in the hitter list, we're seeing a new wave of young catchers come up that is making the position look a lot less pitiful than it has in years past. 
mm-hmm. Rushman and Kirk and William Contreras and all these guys that are really stepping it up. Will Smith has been fantastic. So like sort of who's the kid from the Royals too. He's been, uh, MJ Melendez uh, has been yeah, yeah. very good of late. Like we're seeing these young catchers play. So like it's getting to a point where, I mean, we're not there yet, but it wouldn't be that weird if it two years from now, catcher streaming is a lot harder because the, <laughs> the, the average catcher in fantasy becomes a, a decent hitter. Right, mm-hmm. like God forbid. Like, what if, what if the average catcher was kind of good? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that it just it and it also what it also does when you're talking about with like more and more players like Melendez and Rutschman and everyone coming up, it also makes it so that guys like JT Realmuto and Will Smith aren't as valuable as the as you thought because the replacement level rises. So their performance stays the same, but replacement level goes up. That actually sort of makes it so that you don't need like you no longer need to be like, well, I just need the best catcher because he's so much better than all the other catchers. Right. Like not anymore. In our six round mock for next year, uh, I don't think uh Riamuto was taken. You know, Kirk was taken, Will Smith was taken. Yeah, because mm. again, there's multiple options. So again, you don't have to I mean how many years was it like so do you take one of the top two catchers or do you never take a catcher? Yeah, Riamuto was a, a, a automatic for top catcher taken. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. there were a couple mid round guys like in the tenth round. You're something mm-hmm. who's been trash. But like mm-hmm. it's it's changing because right. there's there's actual depth at catcher. And that that's really like one, it's great for baseball and it's good for fantasy because I hate when catcher drives so much strategy because there are none of them. Mm. Right? I mean it's the same problem you have with stolen bases. The reason stolen bases are so valuable is because they're rare. Right. The reason a good catcher was so valuable is because they were rare, but it's less rare now. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not to the level of other positions. Right. There are yeah. not 15 catchers like there are 15 first or third basemen that can be rostered in standard leagues. But if we get to the point where there's seven or eight catchers that should be close to universally owned, that's a massive change. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason- owned because they're good. Yeah. And the reason why I even started talking about the Orioles was I, I wanted to just talk real quick about Terran Vavra, who uh, in his first uh, 14 games in the majors, batting 313, 395 OBP with a 406 slug. Uh, so far, just looking like a, an empty, high batting average type of guy, uh, but uh, walking a ton with a 13% walk rate, only striking out at a 16% clip. Right now, projection models have him as a 10-homer, 10-stolen base guy. Eh. But uh, the Orioles think they have something here because he's batting fifth tonight and playing left field. But uh, just a, you know, nice to see Orioles uh, calling up some uh, young players that are actually having an effect on uh, their everyday uh, you know, standings in, in, in the uh, AL East. Yeah, he's the type of player I like, especially in points leagues. Because he's batting in the middle of a lineup and he puts a lot of stuff in play, right? Um, in points leagues, you love guys who put stuff in play. He almost feels like, you know, maybe the batting average won't. Like, I, I don't think there's a lot of power there. Uh, there never was. Right. He hasn't hit 10 home runs in a season since 2019. And that was in low A. Or sorry, right. that, was in, that was just an A ball. Right. It's the batting average and the ability to get on base. 306 batting average and a 410 OBP in four minor league seasons. Yeah, I mean the guy. The guy can take a walk, and he'll, he'll slap the ball around. And they put him in the middle of that lineup because they don't want to be prone to like strikeouts and things like that. They've got a couple outfielders that that do free swing just a little bit. 
Uh, but Favra, I mean, he's a lefty, so he gets, you know, even as a platoon guy, he gets a ton of good looks in the middle of that lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. They've him fifth several times now. Like, he he probably is going to sit against lefties or at the very least hit at the bottom of the order. Uh, it looked like last time they kind of flipped in with, like, Ramon Urias, who's not been very good, but they could also flip in with, like, Jorge Mateo, uh, another righty that they could move up in the lineup. But, you know, especially if you're in a deep daily league or you're doing some DFS stuff, Against righties, Taron Vavra, he's going to hit fifth for this team, and he's going he's going to do some damage. Now he'd he'd be doing even more damage if Ryan Mountcastle was hitting a little better lately, but he's been mm-hmm. you know, he's been okay. And right now, I mean, this lineup it's scrappy, but Mullins, Rutschman, Santander, Mountcastle, like that's not too bad, right? Yeah. It's not it's not the Dodgers, it's not the Padres. It doesn't have that superstar power, but they're a scrappy team. You didn't and mention Otor. <laughs> You're right, still playing every day <laughs> he, he has been, i actually recommend i i got close to recommending him in i i covered for ben palmer in the hitters to stream this week and the orioles were on that list because they have some really nice matchups and odor is a guy who kind of you know does does things sometimes right <laughs> get excited right he's he's still going to be an extremely low batting average player and, but he's the type of guy that like in a full season he could hit like 15 to 20 home runs, but you don't oh, yeah. roster him for a full season. You roster right, him for you cannot. Three of those home runs <laughs> in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then he caught him. And this, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, he's not hitting great right now either, but he's not striking out. So he's, yeah. putting a lot he's of had a good two weeks. weeks. He's had a good two weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, hey, you know, uh, once the Orioles get tired of running him out, like w- during his next slump, uh, Vavra could just, you know, be the everyday second baseman for uh, the Orioles. So, yeah. Um, you know, and, and speaking of second baseman, I wanted to talk a little bit about Vaughn Grissom, uh, second baseman for the Braves, who they recently called up uh, from their double A team. And I, I love this kind of a, a prospect who every time he gets promoted it doesn't phase him he just keeps on raking and uh if you look at what he did he was uh started off the 2022 season in high a batted 312 404 487 uh 74 games there and then he gets promoted to double a spends 22 games there and bats 363 with a 408 obp and a 517 slug i gotta tell you man this guy it's only been I think uh, five or six game, games, right? And his first five games, batting three eighty nine with two home runs and a stolen base already. And I'm really impressed with this guy. I mean, but obviously, here's the issue, right? And I know what you're going to tell me, that what happens when Ozzy Albies comes back? Well, maybe you just – I know he's just, you know, second baseman or whatnot, but Marcelo Zuna has been trashed this year. So uh, maybe he sneaks into the DH spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and just try to <clears throat> tell you why Vaughn Grissom can't keep this up, right? Uh, because that's boring. <clears throat> yeah. It's no fun. Look, here's what I will tell you. Number one, the thing I'm watching for, the barometer, if you will, the strikeouts, right? Uh, he struck out twice today on, on Tuesday, um, <clears throat> but he did have two straight games where he didn't strike out at all. That's a big deal, right? He needs to keep the strikeout rate under control. Striking out is, is a big problem that you'll find. We've seen players come up with little to no double A experience. And we've seen them come up and be successful for short times. But what inevitably happens is they start getting pitched a little differently and they do often struggle. What you want to see is a strikeout rate stay under control, right? Um, For him, because 
he need like he's not a huge you know he's not a huge walk guy i mean he has been in some stops but generally speaking as he's moved up in the minors he's walked less and less uh but he he can walk enough and all that matters is that he keeps that strikeout rate probably below 30 percent, and he just takes a couple walks right if he does that he sticks with his team i think he's got the talent to do that and i think you know atlanta wants to compete right so if if they need a 21, like they've played young players before. Acuna came up kind of early. Albies came up kind of early. They'll play young guys, right? And it's not as though, again, it's not as though like Eddie Rosario has forced himself to be in the lineup every single day. He's been hot lately, but you know, mm-hmm. Eddie Rosario, right? Um, they have William Contreras as their DH, but they could just go back to platooning him with Travis Darno, mm-hmm. right? Um, they don't really need Robbie Grossman to play very often. Right, it's not like they spent a lot to get him, right? I mean, when he comes back up, yeah, sure, you could say that. Well, when Ozzy Osby comes up, he'll go back down. But like, they're carrying three outfielders on their bench right now, right? Between Ozuna, who's barely playing, Guillermo Heredia, who never plays, and Robbie Grossman, who only plays sometimes, right? Um, there's also Ryan Goings. Uh, they just called him up recently. That's on this bench. But like, there's there's now guys to send down without having send down. Vaughn Grissom. So mm-hmm. you can be excited about that. And again, just keep watching that strikeout rate. The strikeout rate stays under control, right? Yeah. Like he struck out twice today and, or once or twice today. That's kind of a bummer, but just keep the strikeouts under control. You get to keep hitting. Yeah. The power may come and go because he's going to get attacked, you know, differently and he's got to make those adjustments. But as long as he stays in the lineup, you get some power, you get some speed, uh, and you just get you get a very exciting story right now, even if, again, his overall upside isn't necessarily enormous based on projections and scouting, but, like, guys can change, right? Like, we've seen players make changes and make that we realize, like, they're actually, you know, maybe better than we ever thought before, uh, things like that. So I, I really like Vaughn Grissom. I, I think that, again, power and speed, playing time is a question, but it's a question for another day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and just to prove that, you know, you can still find some fantasy value on terrible, terrible teams and the Nationals run out, uh, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but it's basically a, a double A team, right? Every, every Almost every night. Uh, but uh, Joey Manessis, and we actually looked up, uh, Scott uh, checked out that we wanted to make sure that we got the correct pronunciation of his last name, and I think we did. Uh, Joey Manessis, uh, first baseman for the Nationals, kind of reminds me of Yerman Mercedes in a way because he's an older guy who put up some decent numbers in the minor leagues, and now he's finally getting his shot to play in the major leagues, and he's just tearing the cover off the ball. His first 10 games, five homers, batting 400 <laughs> with an 829 slug, uh, and like I said, 10 minor league seasons, played uh, some time in Japan overseas as well. Uh, had a 281, 338, 431 triple slash there. Uh, and in 96 AAA games a season, hit uh, 20 homers and 64 RBI. Uh, K rates in the low 20s and um, spent a lot of time in the Braves minor league system. And they had a pretty good first baseman uh, that probably stopped him from, uh, you know, blocked him from being promoted. I think that's got to be a little bit of the reason why he might not have seen the minor le- uh, the major leagues you know, it's because Freddie Freeman was ahead of him. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is his uh, fourth organization. I think uh, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Boston, Washington. Um, look, 
these these players are really hard to figure out, right? Yeah. Uh, we've seen sometimes these late bloomers really turn into something. We never know what, but like Christian Walker was one who stands out as a late bloomer. Whit Merrifield was actually a late bloomer. He didn't really come out until he was like 28 or something like that. Um, players can be these late bloomers that we've never heard of that come out of nowhere and be successful. And while it's unlikely that any specific player is going to be that, what we know is that Manessis, I got, I hope I said that right. <laughs> I think you did. I think you remember you looked it up right before the yeah, show. Yeah. So yeah. what what we like, you know, what I like about what I'm seeing here is again, number one, the plate discipline looks really good. I'm going to keep a close eye on that plate discipline. And it's been decent throughout his minor league career too. Yeah. So. so you just, you know, you don't want to see it get out of hand, but I don't think it will. Right. If he mm-hmm. keeps a plate, you know, again, if he keeps projection, say like a 20 something percent strikeout rate and an average walk rate, that's fine. Right. Because he's going to get to hit in the middle of the order and he's going to slap a lot of balls in play. That's all mm-hmm. that. Like, again, power may fluctuate up and down. This isn't a huge power. Like, this isn't a guy who, like, necessarily has a ton of power. He's got some. Um, it, it's good enough, right? You know, 20, 20 home runs in the minor leagues doesn't necessarily mean 20 home runs in the major leagues. Right. But he's going to get a chance to play a lot. It stinks that he's in a tough division, right? Um, the His division can pitch, right? He's still got to play the Mets. <laughs> Yeah, they have a couple of good pitchers there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, Atlanta. There's good teams in this division, and that's going to make it tough. But I do think that there's enough value here that you just you can stream him until you have any reason not to. He's got another Correct. hit today. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he's got another hit today. There's you know at this point there's just no good reason to you know turn your nose up at a guy like Manessis because. Look, as of right now, in the middle of his game, he's hitting 385. And sure, oh, he's not going to hit 385 forever. But will he for another week? That's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. Right? Just keep, I mean, you can basically make this decision week to week because you invested nothing to get him. So, you know, don't, th- this is no longer the time to be worried about true talent. Right? That, yes, maybe in Dynasty or something like that, you worry about true talent. But right now, especially with the last couple spots on your bench, you're getting whatever heat you can find. Ride the wave. Yeah, anything you can find. Go ahead and ride. Like Paul Paul DeYoung, right? I I, I can't say or Paul DeJong. He he's a guy who right DeYoung. now is hot. Yeah. No, you had it right. Know? You corrected yourself. I think it was DeYoung. Mm-hmm. Yeah, DeYoung. He <laughs> he's hot right now. Here's yes. the thing. He's he's hot for one month every year. I actually went back all the way to like 2018. And it was like April, April. Uh, like June and August. And then this year it's August again. He's hot. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think he's made any major change, but it doesn't matter because he's hot right now. Mm-hmm. And all you have to really know is, is he good enough to be hot for another week? Yes. He is good enough to be hot for any particular week, right? Eventually he'll be cold and you'll be like, all right, see ya. You're yeah. out of here. Yep. He's, just, he's just a power bat, but, He's a hot power bat right now. And if you have any hole in your middle infield or in your utility spot, just grab him. Don't worry about the fact that in reality, he's a average to below average major league hitter. That's not 230 hitter. Yeah. Not going to be worth drafting next season. I can mm-hmm. pretty much guarantee it unless he somehow keeps, keeps us up for the entire rest of the season, which I just don't think is something he can do. His track record is very long and it's shown us a lot of things, basically the same thing over and over, which is he can get hot for a month. But for the rest of the time, he's mostly unrosterable in mixed leagues. But yep. with DeYoung, again, it doesn't that part, that thing where for you know five months in a season he's not rosterable, doesn't matter. 
right? You only care about short term. These short term guys, just let let them be hot and leave. You don't need a deep talent assessment, right? Like we analysts get in this mindset of always like giving you a full analysis on guys, but like the DeYoung analysis is he's hot and he's proven he can be hot for chunks of time up to about a month, right? He can't really sustain it for longer than that because pitchers make adjustments and he's not quick enough at adjusting back, right? Mm-hmm. But he can do it for a month. And a month from now is the middle of your freaking playoffs. So, like, you don't even need him to be good for that long. Even if he gives you two more good weeks, great. Right? That's the analogy. Can he give me another two weeks? Like, at this point, you're also looking at upcoming schedules, right? The Cardinals have a really nice schedule coming up. Right? Like, they had they had the Rockies at home. They, they have some nice matchups coming up over the weekend and in the next week, right? Because in that hitters to stream, I also mentioned Lars Nupar, right? The guy who I don't think has a ton of overall talent, but Nupar and DeYoung can totally be hot for another two weeks because they got great matchups to do it. Mm-hmm. And then once the matchups get bad and they slow down a little bit, let them go. Or you can keep playing that stuff. Like this is the time. Again, streaming is most viable at the end of the season because most of your league isn't doing it anymore. Right? Yeah. They've all given up. They're they checked at, out. Yeah. They're looking at football. That's mm-hmm. fine. Right? Because you can now stream more effectively. Ride those matchups. Keep looking at them, right? I mean, I know it's not a pitcher list product, but the ESPN fantasy folk uh, fantasy forecaster, if you're an insider there, that Tristan Cockroft does, it's a fantastic tool. Or even just looking at their schedule, right? You don't necessarily have to know every pitcher that's going to be pitching those games just to say like, okay, going up against the Marlins, that tends to be kind of rough, right? Because they, they pitch pretty well. And if they're in Miami, that's a tough place to hit, right? Or going against the Mets, there's a lot that that's a lot of bullets to try to dodge to make sure you don't run into Degrom, Scherzer, or really anyone on that rotation right now. They're all pitching well, but you come up against the Tigers, who are scuba list for the rest of this year. Mm. Absolutely, you start any hitter against them. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just there's not a lot of threat there, or like the Rockies can't pitch anywhere, right? They don't pitch well at home. They don't pitch well on the road. Start, you know, that's a great matchup. So you can keep riding those matchups, especially guys in like the, you know, for some reason, the NL has a lot of divisions that are the haves versus the have nots, right? Like you'll start any hitter if they have a four, like a four game series against the Washington Nationals is a great place to hit anyway, no matter what field you're at, right? Because they just, can you even name two pitchers other than Patrick Corbin? Who's awful. (laughs) Like Pablo Espino, who's also got like a five something ERA, maybe six by now. So play that game, play that streaming game, really look at, I mean, we do the same thing with pitchers all the time, right? We say, oh, who's he, who's he up against? You do the same thing with hitters, especially this point in the season. Over an entire season, you can't do that. You don't need to do it with studs and stuff. But now is really the time. Those last couple outfield spots, maybe your middle infield or utility, look at the schedule. Like every major format has a way to like to on your league pay on your homepage or you're setting your roster. You can pick up the schedule. You can look at it. What's mm-hmm. coming? N- use that to your advantage. Absolutely. Because you will, you will get a lot of juice out of the orange when you do it that way. And it's a lot easier right now because there's just more options. And a guy like Joey Manessis to get back to that, right? Like, do I want to start him against Max Scherzer? Not really. Yeah. He's hot, but no thanks. Right. I don't really want to start any right-hander against Max Scherzer if I can afford it. And he's only like first base and outfield eligible. So I've probably got another one I can put in who doesn't face Max Scherzer. Right. But like if he's if he's up against us, you know, someone from the back end of someone else's rotation, you know, the the back of the Reds rotation or something like that, absolutely. Mm. absolutely I'm in. 
all day long. Especially in Cincinnati, yeah. in that little band box of football park. So that's that's really what you're looking for right now. I mean, a great article that we do have on the site is Hitters to Stream. It's usually done by Ben Palmer. I covered last week. I'll be covering again this week. But I'll, I'll tell you, my Hitters to Stream article, that's the writing process. I pull up their schedules. Who has the softest schedule? And I look at it in terms of hitters, and I looked at it in terms of stolen bases. That's it. I mean, that's that's all I care about because mm. that's where you find your hitting streamers. You don't just look at recent results. You look at who they play next because no matter how good you've been for the last week, I don't want anyone that faces that, like, again, I'll keep using them as an example. I don't want anyone that faces the top of the Mets rotation. I don't care how hot you are. No thanks. No yep. thanks facing DeGrom. No thanks facing Scherzer. No thanks facing the back end of that bullpen either. Hard pass, but I'll totally take anyone playing the Nats. They don't have. They can't. They can't pitch in relief or for starters. Yeah, or anyone who has home games in Colorado, right? Yeah. <laughs> home games or away, right? Like it's great to stream guys like Jose Iglesias, right? Because every time he's in Colorado, he hits a bunch of singles and doubles because it's a giant freaking outfield. Sure, mm-hmm. you can't get it to clear the fence, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey, about the Mets, Brett Batty. I hope I pronounced his last name right. <laughs> um, uh, one of their top prospects, supposedly getting called up on Wednesday. Scott Brett Batty, B A T T Y. You got Luis Guillorme, uh, second baseman, third baseman on the IL due to a groin injury. Eduardo Escobar supposedly is close to being uh, placed on the IL. So Batty could get some playing time for the next few weeks. And uh, he's had a pretty good run in the minor leagues. Let's see. Double-A ball this season for the Mets, 19 home runs, 59 RBI, 312 batting average, uh, only six games with their triple-A team, but batted 364. So he's another guy. Uh, it's just, it just seems like it's that time of the year where, you know, uh, might have even said this earlier, where, you know, a grueling 162-game season, everyone's getting these little nagging injuries. You know, Jorge Polanco now has a little bit of a knee injury. He's not on the IL, but he's been slumping and his knee is cranky, so maybe that's why he was slumping. And, uh, you know, it's just really it's, – it's a time to really uh, keep an eye on uh, – player transactions. Uh, you, how about this guy, Kerry Carpenter, uh, for your Tigers? I mean, is he going to get enough playing time? Because I didn't know he's been a really, uh, really good in the minor leagues. I think he had, what, was it three or four hits on, on Monday night? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll start, I'll start with Batty because he's, I, I do think he's interesting in the, he only recently got called up to triple A. Uh, he'd only spent, he's only got six games there and he's going to be called up tomorrow. Um, so, well, actually it's today. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, that's when, uh, Brett Patty's expected to be uh, called up. But what you should know is that in the second half, because now the minor leagues no longer play during the all-star break uh, in the second half, he's hitting 407 and slugging 704 between double A AA and triple A, right? With fantastic plate discipline. I mean, he's doing it all. He, he doesn't run, but everything else is, is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, actually, he does have one stolen base, but I'm not really worried about it. But six home runs in that stretch, that's 81 plate appearances, six, uh, 20 games, six home runs, 25 RBI. Uh, he, I mean, he's doing fantastic. So I, I'm excited about that, and I think it's good. You know, it's always easy to say, like, whoa, we'll see how much he plays. I, I do think there will be some opportunities for him to play uh, somewhat regularly at least, although he is a lefty like a bunch of other dudes in this lineup. Uh, and, uh, you know, and other guys have been good, although Daniel Vogelbach is cooling down just a little bit. Yeah, there's there's going to be room for him. 
right? Like Eduardo Escobar does not need to play every day, right? He, he doesn't. In fact, he takes plenty of time off. Uh, you know, Jeff McNeil is probably going to play every day, but you know, they, they can move guys around. I think that's pretty exciting. And then guys like Kerry Carpenter, again, um, it's, it's all matchup dependent for me. Like I was surprised he did so well against, you know, he's up against the guardians right now, but Again, with Kerry Carpenter, it's less about my assessment of his overall skill because I think any extended period of time in the major leagues, he's going to get exposed. But it doesn't matter because all I have to care about is will he be exposed over the next week or two, right? And the Tiger schedule isn't great right now, but that's what I mean. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. And uh, what about your Tigers? Uh, finally, I know there had to be a scapegoat uh, because we had talked about this, where the Tigers seemed like last year they were on the cusp of turning the corner and you, you hoped for a better season, uh, you know, in 2022 and things just didn't work out. And uh, 22 years as the GM and Al Avila, Avila, right? I got that right. Uh, he gets fired this week. The guy was so loyal to the team that he even traded his own son, Alex, uh, off the team a few years ago. Yeah, he did. And then re-signed him <laughs> a little while later. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, Al, you know, Alavila is out. Um, they've had some questionable, uh, sort of some questionable decisions the last couple of years. Actually, I should mention that Kerry Carpenter is hitting well today, Tuesday. Mm. Uh, you know, he's he's got a couple more hits, a couple more RBIs. Two straight games now for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he's hitting well. Um, and actually, my dude, Akil Badu, has been hitting better of late. Yeah, no, yeah I've noticed not, that, yeah. Don't, don't pick him up in any fantasy leagues right now. <laughs> Just let me have this. This <laughs> Everything else is fine. But – uh, the the tiger like the tigers don't have a great schedule coming up, so it's hard for me to get that excited about Kerry Carpenter. But mm-hmm. if he, but again, the other thing I can take from it is well, if he pushes through it, if he's successful through, I mean, he might it might be okay the weekend against the Angels, right? But then he's got the Giants, then it's okay against the Rangers, then he gets the Mariners, but you know it's it's kind of on and off, but. I do think that there's, I mean, there's some, there might be something there, but it sort of doesn't matter. He's not someone I'm cutting anyone for unless I've got a very obvious cut candidate. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I kind of don't right now because of how many young, exciting players are, are up and how many are just demanding my attention. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and before we uh, slam the lid on things for this week, any uh, insights as to what's going to be going on on the hitter list? Love the taxi squad, by the way. Yeah. So uh, one thing, the taxi squad's getting a major overhaul now that, you know, we're, we're going to call it an Uber squad maybe, or yeah, well, uh, it's, it's no longer going to have so many players on it because there's not really any point in stashing anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's going to change, but some players that are going to get like a big shot up, uh, Andres Jimenez continues to just hit the cover off the ball. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Jorge Mateo went up. He's, he's going up again. Trent Grisham has shown some interesting things over the last few weeks. Uh, so hopefully I can move him up a little bit. Um, Vinny Pasquantino is actually the feature. Uh, he's hitting a bunch of home runs. I loved that his plate discipline always stayed true. Like he, mm-hmm. he was seeing it well. He just wasn't making quite. I mean, the difference when you hit, when you have a round bat and a round ball, the difference between a line drive, a ground ball, and a fly ball ain't much, right? right. I mean, it, it's millimeters on the bat. So he was finding the ball. He just wasn't hitting it quite the way he wants. He is right now. Right. Um, he's hitting 364 over the last two weeks. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just fantastic. So I'm very George excited. George Brett calls Vinny Pasquantino the Italian nightmare. So, uh, the nightmare for AL, uh, pitchers right now. 
yeah, so so that's a big deal, obviously. Up uh, Josh Rojas keeps being useful in different random ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, you know, he he's gonna keep making moves on the back. And I really wish I could do something with him, but Jose Siri has been, has really surprised me because he's just so fast. <laughs> and I'm surprised oh, yeah. Dodgers have played him as much as they had. But he's just so bad at hitting that I can't get excited. And then finally, Nick Castellanos sold three bases this month. Wow. Finding a way, right? Like the slugging is still lower than I want it to be, but he's looking like something. So, so that's kind of interesting too. Just a couple of players uh, doing some fun stuff. Um, I'm mostly just talking about the guys that, you know, that are doing good. Not so much the guys are doing bad. There are a couple guys who I'm still very frustrated with. I was so excited about Matt Chapman um, because he was showing some new stuff and, and it's really rough. Riley Green is really having a rough go of it. It's a, it's an adjustment period for him right now. Uh, so, so that's been hard to watch. Um, your guy Glaber, your your Yankee Glaber Torres, just I mean, he's got to take a big fall. He's been abysmal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Last couple, and of years. I know that Aaron Hicks isn't on your list, right? I hope not. Uh, no, he he's been <laughs> on the back end of it, but <laughs> okay. not, not. Yeah, really. you got the one, yeah, the one guy. <laughs> yeah, the one guy I got the most flack for last time, and that is is going to fall on the list, but I don't know where to where yet. And that's Tyler O'Neill. That's been a really disappointing. <laughs> you know, I was, I was going to ask you about him, but you know, I guess we're kind of running out of time, but he's almost like a guy that, you know, in, in a 10 game team league, you, you're cutting him, I think. And maybe even a 12 teamer. I mean, you look at the power numbers are gone. The batting average is horrible. The strikeout rate is still about 30%. Uh, it's just been a miserable year for managers that invested in him. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, he's got two hits on Tuesday. He hit a home run over the weekend. But, you know, there's only so much I I can let this guy keep stringing me along. Uh, What I don't understand is that the the Cardinals put him back into the second spot of the lineup, despite the fact he's not actually been much better. Hmm. But, you know, in, in the month of, like, I kept thinking, like, oh, he's gotten some hits this month. Surely it's better. It's not. Right, mm-hmm. he's hitting 67, slugging 361 because he's got two home runs and about nothing else. Um, he's a guy, like you said, in ten teamers you can drop him. In twelve teamers, if you've got a deep outfield, I get it. Right, you're probably not giving up something that your that your opponents can go after. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean it sort of depends on what you're adding, but like he had a series in Colorado recently, and I really hoped that he would do something with that, and he didn't. He hit a double and then struck out a whole bunch of times. He struck out like literally like six times. Mm. In two so like something's just very off something about pitch wrecking. I don't know what it is between pitch recognition or whatever, but he's not walking at all. He's striking out way too much and he's not, he's just not hitting with any kind of authority. So yeah, he, he's a, he's a drop in, in most formats. If you need that roster spot. Yeah. Uh, basically uh, you mentioned Glaber. I mean, the Yankees have just been, Horrible, and especially since they got rid of the Gallo. And you know, I'm joking about it, of course, because Gallo wasn't doing much at all for the Yanks. But since the uh, trade deadline, the Yanks have been shut out four times. Could you imagine? I mean, I know you lost Matt Carpenter. I know John Carlos Stanton is on the IL, but come on. And you just think about, you know, uh, you know the, the seven plus war that uh, Judge carries. You know, he's basically been been carrying the team for most of the season. And, man, Scott, you should hear uh, Sports Talk Radio. Uh, you know, you would think that the Yanks are like 40 and 70 the way that the callers I mean, are. <laughs> two, 
to those guys credit, like over the last about, you know, seven days or so, which is going to feel like an eternity. The only two hitters that have been worth a lick are Aaron judge mm-hmm. and Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Yeah. Yeah. He hit like, his first home run Sunday night. Yes. Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> there's not much else. Like there's just yeah. really not, there's not a lot that to be excited about right now. Now they're going to yeah. turn this around. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still skeptical of Josh Donaldson uh, because he's striking out so much, but like, yeah. you know, this, it does show that this lineup is not as teams aren't as good as they look when they're hot. And they're not as bad as when they look when they're cold. Right. Agreed. Isn't quite as deep as you thought to turn it into a fantasy thing. Like this can happen to a fantasy team as well. And if you're in head to head playoffs, you really want to make sure you have as much depth and versatility on your bench as possible because you don't want to be that team that raked all year, but then walked into the end, just trying to ride all cold batters. Right. And it's amazing that when you're playing head-to-head, the same team and the same lineup that you put out, one week you could win uh, you know, an, an 8-1 to one if you play any categories or whatnot, and the next week you could lose uh, you know, a 7-2. to two, you know? And it's the same damn team that you put out last week. You know? so. It's not necessarily going to get a lot better coming up. Right, mm-hmm. because like they some tough pitching. They've got a couple softer matchups. Uh, Thursday they'll see Jose Barrios, and he's obviously exploitable. And on Saturday they'll see. Yeah, he's been terrible. Um, <laughs> but like, the, but they, they got to play the Mets. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, the they've been very susceptible to good pitching. You know, Luis Castillo uh, pitched very well against them. You're right. You know, the Astros. Let's face it, the Astros kind of own them uh you know you don't want to be facing uh, verlander and whatnot so yeah i mean it's Yesterday almost they draw like, against the mets scherzer and Degrom. yeah uh, <laughs> have fun listening sure. to sports radio uh, <laughs> after tuesday <laughs> yes so yeah you know it's, it's all good it's all good uh thank god they got off that huge uh you know lead to start the season, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, so uh, good talking to you again, Scott. Great stuff. Check out the hitter list, which is going to come out today, Wednesday, because this is the day uh, when our podcast debuts. And don't forget to uh, follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. Follow me at Joe Galena, and if you'd like to interact, I'd love to interact with you there. Uh, if there's anything that you'd like us to cover, let us know on any of these podcasts. We'll definitely uh, – cover them if that's uh, what you're interested in um and uh, hey you know subscribe to the hacks and jacks uh, podcast wherever you get your podcast content leave us a review and as always we hope that all of your fantasies become realities and we'll see you next time